Hvordan påvirker følelser din familiebedrift? Kan for eksempel for mye engagemang gjøre det vanskelig å ta riktige valg for bedriften? Velkommen til I Familien, en podcastserie om eierskap fra Family Business Norway. I dag så skal det handle om Family Dynamics, og du skal høre en prat mellom Rania Labaki. First of all, it's important for the family members to understand what is unique about their own family business. Og Simone Møkster. I find it extremely fulfilling and rewarding to to own together with uh, with my siblings. Familiebedrifter er stappfulle av følelser. Hvordan påvirker det familien og businessen? Det skal Rania og Simone snakke om. Jeg setter over til programleder Simone. Welcome to this podcast episode from Family Business Norway. The topic of this episode is family dynamics. And we are delighted to have Rania Labaki as a guest in our virtual podcast studio. My name is Simone Muxter and I work for Family Business Norway. I'm also a second generation owner of a maritime company. So I have personal experience of the joy and challenges of family ownership. Rania, you have researched family dynamics for several years, but before we move into the topics, we need to know a bit more about you. Uh, you are Associated Professor of Management at ADEC Business School in France and Director of the ADEC Family Business Centre. Can you tell us about ADEC and the Family Business Centre you are heading? Thank you, Simone, for inviting me to this podcast, and I am delighted to be part of it and to present the EDEC Family Business Research Center that I am heading. Uh, the mission of our center is to support and to inspire family businesses and their stakeholders to sustain their family businesses entrepreneurially over generations. Uh, for this reason, we engaged in three different uh, types of activities, educational activities, research activities, and organization of events to connect those family businesses and learn from each other. And in your capacity, I know you also, you do uh, come across um, Family Business Network, uh, our network that, that we are part of as well with the Norwegian chapter. Absolutely. I had the, mm. the opportunity to be the academic expert for the Next Generation uh, International Committee at FBN for around eight years and to collaborate with great minds in creating programs uh, and developing entrepreneurial initiatives for the Next Gen community. Mm. Great. So moving to this uh, interesting topic for this episode, family dynamics. Uh, what do you put in this term, family dynamics? Uh, family dynamics um, uh, leads us to think about the family on one hand and the dynamics on the other hand. So first of all, what do we mean by family? What family structures are we thinking about when it comes to a family business? Are we thinking about the nuclear family or the wider family? Uh, it is up to each family business to come up with their own definition. Uh, and when we think about the dynamics, we think about movements, evolutions. Um, I will go back a little bit into the psychology and the family therapy literature uh, to share with you what has been considered as family dynamics. There were different streams of thought. Some of them would say healthy family dynamics, um, 
uh, are dynamics that refer to what the average family uh, do. Others uh, would refer to the optimal or the ideal family functioning. Uh, and others would say, okay, these two perspectives are not enough because any family has problems. That's what Minuchin psychologist has, uh, has said. Any family has problems. So it's not because there are problems that the family is not healthy and there are unhealthy dynamics. So the idea is really to think about the family dynamics in terms of processes of functioning around a certain level of equilibrium. Uh, there is a reference point and families will try to operate, to oscillate around this reference points in a way to address uh, different changes in the life cycle, changes in the environment, stressful situations coming in. So to put it in a nutshell, uh, family dynamics are oscillations around an equilibrium and those oscillations can be healthy in the sense that they would bring the family back to this equilibrium in terms of cohesion and adaptability to the new situation. Uh, they could be unhealthy when the family is not able to deal with these changes and become scattered and uh, have difficulties to, to adapt. But when it comes to a family business, then we have additional layers of complexity in terms of ownership and business. So the idea is really to be able to operate this equilibrium with characteristics referring to what the family wants to achieve on the business ownership and uh, the family level uh, as well. So it's a matter of setting objectives and uh, uh, to be able to reach this objective working together on having those dynamics as healthy as possible. Can you give some example of what is healthy dynamic or what is unhealthy dynamic? Yes, I can uh, give examples uh, all the way from France, where I'm based mm -hmm. uh, with uh, companies that are well known internationally, like uh, the Hermes uh, family business. Um, uh, and I can refer to a situation uh, that took place back in 2010 where there was an attempt by Bernard Arnault, who was the head and controlling owner of LVMH, to increase its stake in the capital of MS family business, which was listed and is still listed. Uh, what happened is actually uh, the fact that the family united and uh, they decided to uh, commit to maintain their shares uh, for another uh, another number of years, and they decided to create a holding company that grew more than 50% of the capital. So in that perspective, they uh, dealt with this takeover by being uh, more united. Uh, this enables the family to learn and also to set another equilibrium towards healthy dynamics. Thinking about unhealthy dynamics, I can think about the Lacoste family business, for instance, which is a clothing company again in France. There was feuds between family members rooted in rivalries, jealousies, and um, then there was this opportunity to, um, to sell the business. And uh, this decision was made basically because it was very difficult for the family members to unite around a common objective. So unhealthy family dynamics can have really uh, very uh, negative effects for the control of the business by the family, which was the case of Lacoste, for instance. 
Uh, I mentioned in the introduction that I'm from a family business as, as well. Um, I think in, in our family, we are um, just sort of a, a reflection experience. We are choosing to focus on the positive or the healthy uh, dynamics and then neglecting the what is maybe not unhealthy, but by choose focusing on the positive things. And I find it extremely fulfilling or rewarding to, to own together with, uh, with my siblings. If we weren't owned together, I would never known their professional professional side. Uh, and when you, if you think it's a sort of a spiral that we focus on the positive things, it has a positive and and healthy effect, and we accept the um, the negative things that we choose not to focus on it. Um, yes. At the same time, uh, it is important to acknowledge uh, the negative. <laughs> aspects mm -hmm. because uh, we learn from them and uh, and we can we, we learn how to better deal with them or prevent them in the future so uh, so let's keep in mind that again negative experiences uh, can have a positive effect on on the longer term yeah and i've also heard uh, a saying many times that it's, it's healthy to have uh, a level of conflicts um, uh, because if there if there's no conflict, it's you maybe have a fake harmony. Absolutely, conflicts can be constructive, uh, especially in a family business, uh, because uh, they allow the family members to reflect on their differences and perceptions and how to try to uh, find a common ground to build on the essentials, like the fundamental values, for instance. Um, so yes, conflicts can be can be constructive, and and there are different ways also of managing those dynamics uh, over time to make sure the family remains united and adaptable in the face of crisis. We have uh, different uh, as different persons. We have different tolerance for for conflicts, and we also have different perception of what is what is healthy and what is unhealthy in family dynamics. So how to handle when it's sort of different uh, perception uh, of this in a family? What is most important, I believe, is the um, common uh, objectives that the family members uh, are looking for. Uh, the alignment uh, in terms of interests they have, their personal interests, the family interest, and the business interest, uh, and sometimes the community's interest at large. Um, once the family members agree about the vision they have and are aligned in terms of perspectives, then comes the time where they need to work on their dynamics to make sure that they are able to achieve this. Um, you are referring to what is healthy, what is unhealthy. I'm looking more into it from the objectives perspective uh, because negative emotions can be uh, can have positive effects and positive emotions can have negative effects. And I can um, share uh, about uh, some findings from a research where I was looking into the how family businesses manage the emotional dynamics uh, to be able to survive in very difficult situations. And um, I realized that they have a multiple uh, strategies um, uh, like a portfolio of intervention strategies that they use. And uh, these can be, for instance, governance mechanisms that the family members can put in place. Uh, this can be also um, peer group learning, educational uh, activities, spirituality, 
was an interesting component uh, and of course there are the more traditional ones like family therapy and uh, referring to consultants or experts to support mediating for instance conflicts um, uh, and those families interestingly uh, they would not use all these uh, strategies at once they actually will learn uh, on the go what works in certain situations, what does not work. And interestingly, uh, the long-term um, effects are mainly based on the spirituality part and the, let's say, informal uh, activities that they're able to, to set up. And they would rather look into more structured um, interventions when uh, they ma they did not manage to uh, deal with the issues with the other strategies. Um, this is to say basically that each family is unique and the connection between the family business uh, and the family could be also unique and each family needs to figure out the best way to deal with uh, the dynamics, the family relationships dynamics, to be able to reach its objectives. But um, even though each family is, is unique, we need to have both the informal and the formal. So, um, uh, and it's the informal that makes a good co uh, cohesion among the families. So you don't, you don't get cohesion of having a good shareholder agreement. Um, this is part of the process, of the learning process of the family members. Um, writing a shareholder's agreement allows the family members to reflect on their common values uh, and to learn about the different perceptions and expectations to be able to set a common goal. So the process helps bind the family members together. Um, if the shareholders agreement uh, is just uh, prepared by few family members and shared with the others with no real commitment, then it would not work. So again, it's, it's uh, the process that has been um, used to be able to elaborate certain govern me governance mechanisms, which can help uh, them be effective uh, in certain mm -hmm. situations. Let's talk a bit about passion. <laughs> How do you think the passion is affecting the family dynamics? Uh, for instance, if if there's also a different level of, uh, of passion uh, in, among the family members. Yeah, passion is a very interesting word because for a very long time before the, the 19th century, actually, it was used to refer to affective states. And then it was just afterwards that we started really using the word emotions. And uh, for some scholars, uh, passion is a very strong emotion indeed. Um, now, uh, passion exists in uh, the family business and helps fuel the family business in terms of entrepreneurship. But sometimes passion can lead to taking too much risks, whether on the family level or the business level, uh, which can be detrimental to, to the family business. Uh, passion remains kind of an umbrella concept because uh, passion can be linked to other emotions such as anger for example if you are very passionate in the family business about an idea about the project and it doesn't um, turn out to be the way we were thinking about then it might lead to negative emotions at the same time negative emotions can have positive effects as, as i said so the anger for instance can lead to more 
entrepreneurial ideas, uh, more creativity, which it comes back to fuel the passion and make sure that the next project uh, will be successful. So it's like, um, it's like a circle uh, between different types of emotions that can um, lead to passion or emerge from passion. And uh, passion can also maybe make us keep the, a legacy business longer than we, we should or be a hinder for, for development. Um, or it can make us fight even harder to keep, uh, to keep the business in the family. Yes, um, passion is really um, a, a key emotion, I would say, that comes back uh, when I do interviews with family uh, members. Uh, they're passionate about the business, passionate about what they do in the family business. The reason why they join the family business is the passion they feel. And this is also part of the legacy uh, that can be uh, perpetuated from one generation to the other. It's how the founder or how the family members in charge manage to um, transfer this passion to the next generation that also will determine how uh, the, ne the next generation will deal with the future of the family business. So like the passion is a kind of a red thread uh, in a sense, but it needs to be managed uh, accordingly um, to make sure that it will ha have the positive outcomes uh, over generations. Mm. In your, Rania, in your contact with the family businesses, do you do you see any good uh, practices and how to, to pass on the, the passion from one, one generation to the next generation? I believe it starts at a very early age uh, because the family members meet at the dinner table uh, at different um, activities. And uh, this is an opportunity for the next generation members, very young age, to listen to the stories of the founders, to the stories of the managers in the business, and to feel, to feel the passion that they have for the business. And over time, it's also important for the family members to start engaging the next generation in the business. Uh, for instance, through internships, through family business visits, where they really also convey uh, in a more concrete way in a business setting uh, what they do and why they do it. Um, and over time, uh, the family members can also develop different types of activities to bring the next generation members together around the family, the family business. Uh, so it's all about the storytelling, about observing how the family members act and live <laughs> the family business uh, story. And it's kind of also afterwards learning by doing. Uh, so not only feeling the passion, but also making sure this passion is translated by the next generation into projects and other activities in the business. Mm. And maybe also having a culture for uh, the entrepreneurship that you mentioned, that it's a culture for having new ideas and, uh, and be part of realizing uh, new, new projects as a next gen as well. Absolutely. We talk about entrepreneurial passion in the scholarly mm -hmm. world. So indeed, uh, this, is, this is really important. Entrepreneurship is in the DNA of 
family businesses, which are long lived because they need to adapt and they need to, uh, to grow uh, accordingly. Um, yes, passion is, is, is key. Entrepreneurial passion is the the day of the the word of the day. I think is a great uh, great term. Uh, I'm going to move on to a slightly more negative term, and that is guilt. Uh, because I've done, I know that you've done research on on guilt in the in the next generation. Uh, can you tell us about what what you found in your research? Absolutely. Um, together with my colleague, we looked at uh, next generation members who were aged between 18 and 39 uh, years old uh, from different countries, um, mainly in Europe. The family members of the next generation uh, felt emotions uh, related to actions, unethical actions of their previous generations. So this is an interesting characteristic because usually ones feel emotions for something that, you know, we have done uh, on the personal level. So that was interesting to see that in a family business, we can also feel guilty because of unethical practices of the past generations. The second interesting uh, observation was that the level of identification of the next generation with the family determines the level of guilt that the next generation would feel. And interestingly, we might think that the more identified uh, the next generation is with the family, the more guilty they would feel. And surprisingly, we find the opposite. The less identified they were, the more guilty they would feel, which means that extreme levels of identifications, which can go in line with extreme passion, for instance, can blind family members from recognizing uh, the negative aspects of past decisions and acting accordingly. So it is, it's interesting to balance this identification to be able to better assess previous decisions uh, and to be able to act accordingly. And the third interesting finding is the fact that once the family members feel guilty for actions by the past generation, which is very unique in family businesses, then they would engage in uh, responsible decisions. They would apologize for the wrongdoing. They would engage in better business practices that are more ethical, uh, for instance. So um, again, emotions can be negative, such as guilt, but lead to positive outcomes. And in family businesses, those emotions are transgenerational, which means that they can be felt because of actions not related to the individual itself, himself or herself, but also to the family. Uh, members even in past times. Rania, that was a great story how the, the negative guilt, which is we think of as negative, could be still lead to something positive with a responsible ownership. Do you have some concrete examples from, from many family businesses? Yes, I can think about the example of Merck, uh, which is a German pharmaceutical company and where the next generation members um, recognized uh, the past wrongdoings during World War times uh, where uh, the business premises were used uh, the production of chemicals and forced labor was also part of, um, of those activities. So the family members uh, apologized and uh, decided to pay um, compensation for the families of the forced labor. Uh, so this is one of the examples where the family members can really um, make a difference, even 
many uh, decades, uh, decades later. Um, uh, Sarania, do you have any insights from your research with the recommendation to, to family members of how to navigate uh, the family dynamics in order to benefit the family ownership and the business? Great question. <laughs> this question... And a large one, sorry. <laughs> great question. Um, as I was mentioning previously, each family business is unique. Uh, first of all, it's important for the family members to understand what is unique about their own family business to be able to better deal with it. We can look at the emotional connection between the family and the business in different ways. There are some families which are extremely connected with their businesses, which means that the family businesses are enmeshed. Others on the other extreme of the continuum are disengaged. So the connection between the family and the business is very, um, is very small, it's very mild, I, do, I would put it this way. So the emotions that families might feel will not really impact the business decisions and vice versa. And we have those which are more in the middle, uh, have a balanced approach uh, between the family and the business. So depending on where the family members stand in terms of their family business characteristics, they might want to uh, pick the uh, strategies that work best for them. For instance, um, if their family and the business are disengaged and they want really to make sure the ownership is maintained uh, over generations, they might want to engage in activities uh, on the governance level uh, and on the educational level to uh, motivate the next generation to remain in the family business in terms of keeping their shares, for instance, and also to vote decisions which go in line with this uh, longer term decisions, for instance. Uh, those businesses where the measurement is very high with the families, we can see that the emotions flowing from the family and the business are very, very high. So they might want to engage more in therapeutic sessions, perhaps, or also educate themselves on how to better manage their emotions. And governance here really can be also very interesting because this will create a framework whereby the family members can work together and know what are the rules of the game, even the emotional rules of the game. For instance, what emotions to express, when to express them, whether they should express them in the family or in the business, to make sure uh, in a way that the negative emotions have positive effects and the positive emotions as well. And just to add on the, another layer of, of complexity here, because you said in the introduction that what is really a family and how to define uh, a family. So we have, of course, the nuclear family and the, the wider family, but we also have businesses which are owned by uh, two different families that are not blood related, like two, two friends start the company together and, uh, and these two families end up owning it together for, for several generations. And then you have... Um, that add the ownership dynamics between two families that are not in, in family. Absolutely. Uh, Multi-families working together in a business um, are fascinating. What I observed is uh, that oftentimes they share similar values. Uh, whether mm. those families have started the business together or whether the family business is merged at a later stage, one important criteria that comes back is that the other family 
should have similar values and this long-term perspective. So if you have these fundamentals, then uh, those families, although they're not linked uh, with blood relations, um, uh, they are aligned, they look into the future with a common vision, and this is always very promising. But of course, when the new generations come uh, into the picture, uh, we need to make sure that they get to know each other, that also the governance that have been put in place is a governance that is open to engage those other next generation members from the other families uh, around fundamentals like values, uh, for instance. So it's also a matter of creating the right mechanisms to manage those emotions, those dynamics over time. And that the, the values is, a, is an asset that the family also need to preserve and, uh, and develop and uh, articulate them in order to pass them on. Absolutely. And also tell the story. Uh, tell the story about how those families came together and uh, what were the learnings from uh, working together and how to make sure they perpetuate this, uh, this over the long run. Mm. We often end these uh, episodes with uh, questions from the listener. Uh, and I received a, a question from, uh, from one of our Norwegian members, which is, she's from a, a large family. Uh, and her question is, how can the next generation owner communicate to the senior generation in order to gain their respect and to be taken seriously? Very interesting question. Uh, I will try to make a short answer. Uh, the next generation members should come together and speak with one voice. So uh, having uh, an agent of change, uh, part of the next generation is key in that regard. Um, of course, uh, uh, here we are talking about large family businesses. So it's harder sometimes uh, than smaller family businesses where there is one identified successor and the communication can be developed based on uh, you know, certain classical strategies, I would say, uh, with a parent who is in charge. So here we really need to have the next generation come together, reflect on what they want to achieve together and bring their voice to the, um, to the senior generation. And this could be with concrete projects, ideas that they want to push. Uh, and uh, what I can also um, uh, I can also illustrate based on what's uh, what's happening right now. The next generation is very much uh, sensitive regarding the environmental issues, for instance, uh, and we can find that some senior generation members are less. Um, um, inclined to make big decisions uh, by including these this environmental considerations because of their experience in the past. These considerations are important, but not as important. And now we can see that many next generation members are coming together to bring their voice regarding the importance of including this in the future strategy of the family business. Uh, this can take some time. But again, uh, when we speak in one voice, uh, there is a bigger chance that the voice is heard. Mm, yes, definitely. But also, in um, there will always be a, a age gap, so it can be challenging to to speak in one voice if there's sort of a, 
10, 15, 20 years age difference between the youngest and the oldest in one, in one generation. Uh, and one thing I think is also common, even regardless if you're a small or, or a large family, you have the whole thing of going from being um, a child, uh, a niece or a nephew or a grandchild in order to be a business partner. Uh, I'm a little sister and I think I, I had sort of that little, little sister image very long before I felt that was taken seriously. Absolutely. Uh, I believe it's, um, it's a matter also of the senior generation uh, to spend more time with the next generation, to try to understand uh, their, um, their interests, to understand what they would like to achieve. So the uh, effort should be made uh, uh, by each generation, I would say, and also the understanding of the psychological dimensions, because oftentimes the senior generation um, has really set the bar very high in terms of achievements, and this can scare a little bit the, the next generation, especially when it comes to the little sister or the little brother. Mm -hmm. um, so it's also a matter of reassuring the next generation uh, about also the, um, uh, the mistakes that the, the senior generation has made and that they're not heroes, perfect heroes. Uh, and also the next generation needs to be um, understanding regarding uh, the difficulty of the senior generation, for instance, to let go because they're very much attached to the business. So instead of having uh, a revolutionary attitude towards the senior generation by saying, you know, we have great projects and we want to change everything, the idea is also to be uh, more balanced in terms of approach, to be also able to listen to what the senior generation has to say to their experience and, uh, and understanding, like we understand why uh, you don't want to, to change the strategy radically. And we understand that you're very much attached emotionally to the family business, but now times have changed and let's work together uh, to adapt to the new situation. So, uh, and this takes a lot of time. And so it's important to be patient. Uh, and the next generation we know nowadays is a little bit uh, in a hurry, wants to act fast, but patience is uh, a virtue. <laughs> So, it is. so yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Rania, for for joining us in this conversation about family dynamics. And it's it's obviously a huge topic. So I think we need to invite you again for a, for a second episode on this on this topic. Thank you very much, Simone, for inviting me. Family businesses are indeed emotional arenas and very complex ones. So I'm happy to jump on another podcast and explore this further with you. Tack till Rania Labaki och Simone Möxter för denna episoden av I familie, en podcast om ägarskap laget av Lydeproduktioner för Family Business Norway. Har du ett tema du önskar att belysa om det att äga samma familjen din? Send oss en e-post till post@familybusinessnorway.no.